Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. My mindset from just the last two years, to be honest, I just kind of just want to kill like go crazy to be honest, I know I don't want to jump the gun uh, it's, it's a long way before September and we, we start the regular season but I, I'm to be honest I'm just tired of you know whatever's written about me to be as it said about me or this team and um, I want to go out there and prove to this organization that the player that they drafted is still there and um, that I can still do special things with the ball in my hand and I can help this team win games Look, motivation comes from all sorts of places. How many times has Tom Brady said that no one believed in the Patriots back when everyone believed in the Patriots? So we come up with things to motivate ourselves. And my first thought when I heard that from Saquon Barkley yesterday was, what, what is he talking about? What BS has been written about him? There's been no unfair criticism of Saquon Barkley. He had a 2,000-yard from scrimmage season to begin his career. Injuries intervened. Nobody's saying that the guy's a bum. Nobody's saying that the guy's a bust. He's just been injured. He hasn't been able to play to his highest potential. He's either injured or recovering from injury all the time. And he had the torn ACL in 2020, which really derailed his career. He played through a horrible ankle sprain that he suffered early in the season against the Buccaneers in 2019. So I I don't... And again, do what you have to do to put a chip on your shoulder. But I don't think Saquon Barkley has become this example of fake news or unfair criticism or, or has just been selected from the group of NFL players is somebody that everyone's going to pick on. Nobody's been picking on Saquon Barkley. We're just stating facts. No, no. I mean, I think you're right. We are stating facts. I, I think, though, if you put yourself in the player's shoes, though, you know, you, even even with the facts, you get sick of hearing that, right? You do. You know, oh, you're the number two pick of the draft. You're a bust. And you get to hear that all the time, right? To where, you know, again, I'm sure he'd like a little people to go, yeah, I know. Yes, I've been injured. I, it has not worked out right. But you, 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 do, you do know I've been behind the worst offensive line in football, right? Not just like the, like the worst. So as a player, you can, 
he just gets sick of that sick of that and of course yes he was a talented player that everybody loved and everything like that and you're sick you're used to people talking glowingly about you so that could be a shock for a guy like Saquon Barkley it's a big year he's super talented we know that I mean he's super talented he has as much talent as any running back in all of football uh, but yeah he's got to stay healthy got to play a little tougher that way and and you know of course they got to help him out too and open up some holes every now and then so since he's sick of hearing BS, we're going to use a BS meter on what he said and what others. How much of have, have said recently, how much of what he said about BS being said about him is BS? I mean, I, I really do. I understand why he's salty and sensitive, but I just don't buy it. I think he is trying to find a way to get himself into a zone so he can go out in a contract year and have a big season, be determined and focused and if he has to be pissed off, the old sure. the old approach to uh, was it Julian Edelman or Wes Welker? Yeah, in, Wes Welker. Yeah, right. Wes Welker. They knew if he was pissed off, he played better. I think Saquon Barkley's trying to get himself pissed off so he'll go out and play better. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't disagree with that. I would bet you there's, you know, a real chip on his shoulder here this year. It's a big year for him. You know, it, it is. Whether he wants to stay with the Giants, you know, what kind of money he's going to make here the next few years. I mean, he's going to have to play well. And be a consistent like issue or pillar with that offense, uh, you know, for other defenses to defend. He does that, you know, he can he can be really special. He really can. I mean, think about some of the plays and stuff over the first year or two. And I could still remember Troy Aikman like that was the greatest nine yard run I've ever seen in my life. And you know, just some of the magic that he has. He is very explosive. We just haven't got to see it, and that's why teams don't want to invest top picks on running backs. There was some trade chatter about him back before the league year began, and it right. died quickly. And I think one of the reasons it died quickly is due to make $7.2 million this year, fully guaranteed as his fifth-year option. I don't know how you find a team to take that on. And if you're the Giants and you're going to get a team that's going to assume the full salary, you may have to throw a draft pick onto the pile to get him to do it. I just think they weren't going to have any takers at $7.2 million when you've got Every year, a fresh crop of running backs entering the draft. And with Saquon Barkley, it's not like he's going to show up and play special teams. you got to make him number one or number two on your depth chart. You're paying him number one money. Is he really ready to go? It's a one-year arrangement. There, was, there wasn't going to be anybody that was going to take that on. So the Giants keep him, and they try to make it work. And, uh, you know, and, and even if he has a big year, I could see them not bringing him back sure. for 2023. Just understanding we went ahead and got everything we could out of the last year of his rookie contract, and now we'll let the market determine his value. And maybe if he's on the market for a while and no one gives him big money, then maybe they would welcome him back at something lower than that. But, you know, it's all on him right now. But, but I, and again, I, I, don't, I don't fault him for it, but I, I, I do think there is a lot of BS in this effort to motivate himself, which is fine. He's not the first one and won't be the last one to do it. Yeah, I, no, definitely not. That's what NFL players are. They're awesome at that. You know, athletes in general are awesome at that. Finding anything, you know, you, you talk about it all the time. And you know, I think, you know, maybe the national media, but up here, there definitely is a little more heat on them, you know, than, than maybe the, the rest of the country. And, you know, New York's big and can definitely deliver a lot of heat. Some guys have to really scratch and claw and at some point embellish or fabricate bases for motivation. Other guys don't have to look very hard. They don't have to look very far. Enter Tua Tonga Bailoa. If he's looking for external motivation, he's got plenty of it. Here he is 
from yesterday addressing the question of whether or not there's more pressure on him now that the team has upgraded offensive coaching staff, offensive line, receivers, running backs. Is there more pressure on the quarterback? Well, I think pressure is going to be there every time. Um, you know, I don't feel more pressured that we have acquired all these guys, um, but it's more of an opportunity that I get, that we all get as, as a team uh, to show what we can do this year. Um, I, look, he, he's saying what he's got to say. He's saying what he's got to say. Of course there's pressure on him. Of course, if he doesn't get it done this year, it is so much easier to blame it all on him. In past years, well, they really don't have the supporting cast. Well, their head coach is a defensive guy. Well, this, that, or the other thing. There's no well but this year for Tua Tonga Bailoa. If he doesn't play at a high level, it is on him. And even though he doesn't have Deshaun Watson hovering over him the way that he did last year, that Tom Brady specter is looming for next year if they aren't good enough and if Tua isn't good enough. So that's where the pressure comes from. And yeah, it's there. And he should embrace it and use it and, and twist it. He He's the one that could be salty and pissed off about all the BS that people write about him and say about him. And he's going to go out and prove this year that he deserved to be the fifth overall pick in the draft, if not higher. It doesn't seem to be his personality. But inside, hopefully that fire is raging, Chris. It, it, it better be. I mean, the, definitely. Uh, it, you know, you, you said like the, the specter, right? Is that the word you use as far as Tom yes. Brady and the horizon yeah. and all that? Yeah, it's I, like a ghost. Hey, like yeah, a- I hear you. Like, for, there's going to be a specter of a lot of people if he doesn't play well. Because, for, I mean, the, the only thing we're looking at with the Dolphins right now is going, okay, new coach, but the roster is borderline awesome, phenomenal. I mean, it, it's really perfect in a lot of ways to where it's, it's a big-time roster. They should be playoffs do things like that. So if it doesn't work, yes, it's going to be directly on him. I, I mean, I, I, you know, the BS meter on that, I don't know. if I, I don't think it's too much BS. You know, where there's got to be a point where, yes, there's the pressure on you because we got all the tools, but at some point, too, you got to go, this is great. I got all the tools. Like, that takes pressure off, too, to just go, I mean, yeah, we expect a lot, but, damn, I could throw a ball three feet here or three feet here, and I could be one for one for 95 yards with these guys I got here. So – I would think Tyree Kill, in some ways, you know, with Waddle and Gasecki, you know, it does take pressure off you. It makes you feel good, at least, when you walk to the line of scrimmage going, damn, I got some people here where they better watch out if they play certain defenses. But here's the reality. Yeah. When you have all those weapons, okay, yeah. and you become successful and the team does well and maybe gets to the playoffs, there is always going to be that moment where quarterback has to make big throw Definitely. in big spot. Yep. And that's when you separate Tom Brady from Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's where you potentially separate whoever the next quarterback is in Miami, Tom Brady or someone else, from Tua Tonga-Vailoa. When he has the chance to make that throw, the, not, not just the chance, but the urgency, the need, the desperation when the season is riding on that throw, can he make it? Because we know it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. You can dink and dunk and throw the three-yard passes and, boom, there goes Tyreek Hill and there goes Jalen Waddle and there goes Raheem Mostert. At some point, that's not going to be there. At some point, it's going to be third and nine, and you're going to have to deliver a dime in a tight window. And can you do it? Or you're going to have to throw it down the field even farther. you got a guy who's open. 
championship on the line? Do you not see him a la Jared Goff? Do you see him too late like Goff did? Do you just flat out miss him like Jimmy G did with Emmanuel Sanders in Super Bowl 54? 54. God, they're flying by. So, uh, yeah, that's that's it. And by the way, Spectre is both a ghost and something widely feared as a possible unpleasant or dangerous occurrence. That was the vein in which I was using Spectre. There's gotcha. this. There's just if if you're Tua, you have to. You've seen enough. You've heard enough. And you can say, I don't. I don't turn on my phone or whatever. Baloney. He's heard about Tom Brady by now, and he's got to be thinking, if I don't get it done this year. This guy who's going to be a free agent after 2022 is going to potentially swoop in and take my job. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yes, that's on the horizon. He's he's no idiot. I'm sure he realizes that. It's 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 a big year, but they've done a lot to support him, and I think they got a coach in there that's going to understand, you know, how to make life easy for him too. So we'll see where it goes. Um, so bottom line, I think there's a little BS in that because there's a ton of pressure on Tua this year more than ever before it's no excuses to a for 2022 that's how i view it yeah i'm with you too i'm gonna give it like a six on the bs meter i didn't think it was like total bs Uh, i i you know i do i do think the fact that you have weapons takes a little pressure off of you too what do you think you know he, he did the uh sun's out guns out with the arms on the podium trying to show that he's got a little bulk there in the biceps he's got to get the nfl body there are, there are times where they'll show him on the field with the other guys, and he's just not thick enough to absorb the pounding. It, does, does it seem like he's getting a little bit larger to you? I, I don't know if I noticed anything totally different there. I don't, but it's, that's part of you know, the Tua experiment here, too. You know, it's just we, we've seen injuries in both ears just you know, from hard hits, and that was a scare, too, so... Uh, that's another part of him learning and playing the game the right way and knowing how to protect himself because, yeah, there's definitely somewhat of a concern or issue there for me. How was it not a no-brainer that Justin Herbert should go before Tua two years ago in the draft? How was that not a no-brainer? It was. I mean, you know, for very few people, you know, me being one of them. But, like, yeah, I don't – because, again, it's just – it's always about the wins and the stats and, oh, I just feel comfortable that he's throwing to a wide-open Jerry Judy, and I'm going to give him more credit for that. Like, I just I, – I don't know. I don't really I will know. say this. Yeah. I will say this. Justin Herbert telling us at the Combine that he had a poster of Joey Harrington on the wall <laughs> knocked him down uh, multiple pegs for me. That got me thinking about but, – but, you know, this is Oregon guy through and through, and yeah. that was the one weird concern. Like, you know, if we take this guy out of Oregon, how's he going to be? Well, they took him to San Diego. Well, L.A. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how many years it's going to take me to get used to that. But they took him to Southern California, and it's worked out well. Now, if you'd taken him all the way to Miami, maybe it wouldn't have. I don't don't know but herbert the way he's played it looks like he was destined to be a star oh, yeah. all right i think you could drop herbert in the middle of the ocean and he'd be like i'll play here this is fine i don't think anything bothers that guy <laughs> frank reich talked yesterday about the colts receiving core we addressed earlier whether or not debo samuel would be a fit for them when you look at who they have yes it would be because they have some needs there here's reich talking about the guys that will be catching passes from matt ryan I'm excited. You know, we'll see how things play out with Ty and all those questions. Um, you know, Chris Chris will handle that as he always does um, on how some of that stuff plays out. But what I know, the guys that I when I look down at the depth chart right now, Greg, and I see those young receivers, um, I understand what the outside perception is. You got a bunch of guys, and how many catches do they have? Um, 
I, I see the side of a, a lot of upside with those players and uh, looking forward to seeing those guys continue to develop. You know, I don't have a real issue with what he said just because a great quarterback will tend to make receivers that we previously didn't know much about in the star players when they start racking up catches. If Matt Ryan can distribute the football consistently and accurately to the open guy, we're going to feel much differently about Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, Kiki QT, Ashton Doolin, and the rest of the receiving core. So I, I can get behind the idea that Frank Reich uh, believes that time will tell and reps will show that these guys can get it done. I, I, I do believe it, too. I think there's some BS there, too, to make everybody feel good. I think there's a little there. Like, I might give it a four or five on the BS meter. I do think, to like your point, I think you're right. Hey, Matt Ryan's here. It's going to make things smooth. I do think he has good like belief in his offense, which he should. To me, it's one of the more creative offenses in football, no doubt about it. And, you know, there is a potential aspect there. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be better. We've discussed Paris Campbell a few times. And, I mean, again, anybody just doesn't want to believe it, watch Paris Campbell in the little he did play this year. He just ran by people for touchdowns. I mean, he, he can play. So I understand that. But – and his heart of hearts, there's got to be a little concern with him going away. I just would like one more guy here. One more guy to add out the roster that's just played a little bit, a little bit more of a, you know, we can rely on this guy in case some other stuff happens. And they very well may be thinking about that. And so you don't want to seem too desperate in the event that you are having negotiations eventually with, I don't know, Julio Jones. If you come off as too desperate, then Julio Jones is going to want more money than what he otherwise may want. There, there's there's a subtlety that you need to employ when you're talking about your needs, you're talking about your players, whether there's a trade that you're thinking about, whether you're trying to downplay interest in who you may draft. So this is one of those must-BS situations where you don't want to show your cards. That's really what it's about. And and see, what happens with the NFL, there is strategic deception that is necessarily part of the game. And it is keeping your cards close to the vest and maybe sometimes bluffing about the quality of the cards you have. Sometimes that takes on a life of its own and they don't know where the line is between when it's okay to lie and when it's not. But this is one where I fully support what Frank Reich did because you don't want to telegraph your plan because it could be a draft pick. It could be a trade. It could be a free agency negotiation. And you need to look like you're happy with who you have sure. as part of posturing to get the best possible deal. Yeah, I, I think all of that's very true. And even if something doesn't happen or whatever, you just at least are giving confidence to the team and everybody in that room to go, hey, our coach believes us. So there's a lot of reasons. You know, you have to BS a little bit there. Just uh, And I think you explained it well, and I think you add that with what I said, that that's probably the reason he's saying it. Earlier this month, the Philadelphia Eagles and the New Orleans Saints did a trade that consisted of the Eagles picking up another first-round pick next year in exchange for giving up one of their first-rounders this year. They had three. They now have two, but they have two next year, and they got some other stuff as well. Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, met with reporters yesterday to talk about why they did this deal with the Saints to add a first-rounder in next year's draft. How much specifically did the quarterback position and being able to have the flexibility there next year if you need it factor into the decision? Yeah, we're excited about Jalen Hurts, you know, and um, 
Uh, we're going to support Jalen and, and want him to have a, a great career in Philly. And this was about flexibility for our team and um, about making sure that we had resources um, to improve our team for not only this year's draft, but next year's draft going forward. We thought it made a lot of sense. Now, look, I last year I thought was let's give Jalen Hurts a chance to show he belongs. This year is, I think, let's give Jalen Hurts a chance to find his ceiling whatever it is. But I don't think they're ready to say he's our guy for the next 10 years. And to the extent that they may decide after this season to go in a different direction, they've got the assets to do it next year. Yeah. So, you know, this is another must BS situation. You can't come out and say, well, you know, you guys saw Jalen Hurts as a passer. No one's ever going to confuse him with Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. So we got to decide whether or not we want to keep this guy around. And we may decide after this year that we don't. So next year we'll have to trade up in the draft to get someone. You're not going to come out and say that. So there's a little BS baked into that necessarily, but nothing that that strikes me as, oh, my God, this is so ridiculous. I can't believe the guy said it. Yeah, right. It's not egregious BS. It's like four or five on the BS meter. I don't think he's like total. I don't think he's lying here altogether. You know, it's uh, when I when he was talking there. I goes, yeah, sure. They're excited to see what he can do. They're not sold on what he can do yet. I know that they're not sold on it. They wouldn't have been, you know, talking little quarterback things and rumors like that popping up over the last two years, really. But I understand them being excited. He did show progress. We know that they went to the playoffs. He did get better as a passer. But yeah, they're still. More meat on the bone there to get better, certainly. So um, I understand them sticking with him. He's a great leader, it sounds like. That's for sure. Nick Sirianni said the same thing about him. And they're making the right moves. I think even regardless of the quarterback thing or whatever, you know, like we discussed at the time when the Eagles made the trades with the Saints, to me you have more power with going two first rounds in one draft and two first rounds in another draft than you do to just go, we have three first rounds in one draft and one in the other. To me you have a little bit more power in both drafts to have two and two like that. I also think of what I mentioned earlier that Howie Roseman said, if you do what everyone else is doing, you're setting yourself Mm -hmm. up to be middle of the pack. And you know my theory about the Eagles. I think they're exploring the idea of Jalen Hurts at a deliberately lower-tier contract, more money for the rest of the team. Hurts knows who he is. The team knows who he is. They're not going to pay him 45 or $50 million a year. They're going to use that money elsewhere. They're going to have a good offensive line. They're going to have a good defensive line. They're going to have good weapons around him, yada, yada, yada. And they're not going to try to break the bank on a quarterback because when you look at the 10 highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, where are all the Super Bowl rings? I mean, really, that's one thing we haven't said yet. If we can pull the graphic up, we show that all the time to just demonstrate how broad the gap is between the highest and the 10th highest paid player at the quarterback position in the NFL, there isn't a lot of jewelry when you look at that list. Starting with Aaron Rodgers, who has one from 12 years ago. He's the highest paid in the NFL right now. Carson Wentz comes in at number 10. He has a Super Bowl ring that he was injured for. Yeah, He didn't win that Super Bowl. But when you go between the rest, you know, Tom Brady's not on that list. And he's got a lot of the recent Super Bowls. Nick Foles isn't on that list. He's got one that he won. Patrick Mahomes is, but there, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of jewelry on this list. Here no. it is. Well, a lot look of at them, it. Look yeah. at it. Where is it? Where well, is a it? A lot now, of them Stafford's are young. Got his. You know, 
Yes, a Wilson's lot of Wilson's is all Wilson's is very tarnished by time. Well, yeah, I know. You know, I mean, yeah, Wilson got it. He, you know, got he got again. It you you hear like people, oh, he's been there. He's been to the mountaintop. I want to go. Yeah, he was there with a great team and hand the on ball his rookie off contract. And, right. I mean, so but you know, a lot of these guys are young. Some are overpaid, and it's not that easy. It's just not. And you know, part of the reason we're seeing the market explode and all that stuff too is because of New England. New England squashed the market forever. Brady didn't never up the market for quarterbacks. None of their receivers did. Gronkowski killed the tight end market. So, you know, they they do play into this to a degree. But, yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. It's still – you hear me say it all the time. It's a team sport. For whatever reason, we have got lost into it's the quarterback. Tom Brady, the GOAT, was on a middle-of-the-pack New England team, and they were middle-of-the-pack. He didn't make one play or win one game for them his last year there in New England. He went to an all-star team, and now we go, damn, is he an all-star again? So it just you say what you want. Support matters. It doesn't matter who you are. And that's, you know, I think it's lost some of the, the recent conversations over the last few years. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why do you hate Tom Brady? I just do. It's just <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. Uh, NFC West. Draft needs for the 2022 draft when we return. The Rams, uh, another draft house for them, and a lot of time playing pinball and foosball and ping pong because F them picks. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. We know what that highest high feels like today. So in honor of the shirt, F them picks. We'll use them to go win more Super Bowls. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. I've used this metaphor a few times the past couple days, and I kind of enjoy it, so bear with me. We, you know, we, we kind of have the turtle sticking his head out of the shell a little bit. We don't want the turtle head to disappear. That's where the, the log jam is. That's where the pipeline is clogged. I really wish he would have milked the cow a little bit longer. If the, the window's closed, the ship has sailed, whatever metaphor you want to use. If you're going to climb the ladder to the high dive, and you're going to walk out onto the edge of the board, and you're going to stand there, and you're going to bounce it. At some point, you got to jump. He's going to tell the various emperors that they're riding butt naked on a horse, and they better put some clothes on. You don't get to that much wealth and power and influence without constantly having the little minnows of litigation nibbling at your feet as you stand in the built-in pool on the third deck of your super yacht. I've got the metaphors all screwed up there. Well, the point good. is, they don't I, care. I, I, was good. I, was, I was enjoying I don't think you're going to have minnows. You're not going to have minnows in the pool. Anyway. Let, let, me, let me just say this. 
Peter King would be very happy to see the physique that was given to him on the back of that horse. Maybe that's why he looked so surprised. That 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 was that was something. Uh, all right, well done. I got nothing more to add to that. Let's get to the. You've got hard on those oligarchs and those billionaires lately. You have. I give you credit. Well, somebody's got to. You know, we just. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Don't get me started. NFC West. Speaking of oligarchs, the uh, well, we'll get to the Rams. Let's start with the 49ers. Uh, they're all oligarchs. Uh, the 49ers, you've got uh, needs that pop up out of the blue with the Debo Samuel trade request. They can't leave the 2022 draft without addressing what, Chris? I don't think there's anything desperate on the 49ers like roster to where you look at it and go, oh, man, they're really depleted there. Uh, I mean, there's three positions that jump out to me. One, safety a little bit, right? You know, there's Jaquaski Tart. He's still out there, you know, so and it's an important position for that Seattle scheme. You know, I look at that corner. They've had some guys in free agency, Charvarius Ward, Darquez Denard. I don't know there. I think the number one thing I'm going to look at, Mike, I, offensive line. I think that's going to be the one thing. You know, Alex Mack, what's he doing, right? I mean, he's. it sounds like he's on the fence about retiring. You got Mike McGlinchey, you know, at the right tackle position. It's fifth year for him. He was a first-round pick. You know, there's got to be some planning for the future there. You know, the other guard position, they've had an issue there kind of filling Lake that Lake and void. Tomlinson's gone. Right, exactly. They do have a second-round pick from last year out of Notre Dame and Banks that didn't play much last year, so maybe he comes up. But I still, with Shanahan, that team, the way he thinks of offense and everything, O-line's the one that jumps out to me. They got to be thinking about defensive line too. I don't think D Ford is ever going to play for them no. again. That was a guy they made a trade to get a few years yeah. back. But receiver obviously is now they they need Def, to figure out right. before the draft begins what they're doing with Debo Samuel because they don't have a pick until number sixty one. They could get back a first round pick and maybe a second round pick before the bottom of round two if they were to move on from Debo Samuel. But this dilemma apparently wasn't on the radar screen. Somebody pointed out yesterday, Pete Demolaitis sent along the tweet that the 49ers had no one in at the receiver position for any of the visits that are allowed of 30 players to your facility. So if they're scouting, they're not talking to them face-to-face in person, at least not in their own building. And uh, the time for doing that has expired now. So they better do something at the receiver position, either convince Debo to stay or have a plan for replacing him. That becomes an yeah. unexpected need that bubbled up out of nowhere. Definitely. It definitely is a, a big need. I mean, I think, you know, after him and, and Iuke, you know, there's there's just a lot of like, oh, we think this guy can be good, or it looks like he's in the, you know, going in the right direction there. But there's no, yes, no difference maker there. And Iuke, again, as we know, Hey, he was a first-round pick and was in the doghouse to start last year a little bit there. So, I mean, I'm with you. The receiver thing, especially if they know, okay, Debo's not going to be here, that becomes priority number one. If that, you know, gets massaged and he stays there, I'll go to the offensive line thing, like, like, I, like I said. We mentioned the absence of picks for the Rams. They don't get on the clock until number 104 in round three because their first-round pick – gone that's part of the Matthew Stafford trade second round pick went to Denver for the very short-term rental of Vaughn Miller Um, so uh, here we go now with the Rams what do they need in this draft as they try to as they try to uh, there's the draft house they're gonna have plenty of time at the draft house plenty of time to hang out and enjoy it because you're not picking anybody on Thursday night 
Go ahead and get drunk again. Damn. Less Sneed and others. Invite on me. Thursday night. Uh, but uh, so, you know, they can hang out and celebrate the Super Bowl win. But eventually, who do they need to pick, Chris? Well, uh, yeah. They're, they're, I mean, as we know, they're not a real deep football team. They're not. Um, I think it, I, I hate to do this back to back. This one to me is fairly obvious here. I, I do think offensive line has got to be done here. It, it has to. You know, you lost Whitworth. All right, the uh, Edwards or Edwards, one of the interior linemen, free agent or going to be a free agent. Haven't seen coming to the last year of his contract at right tackle. They're not real talented and deep at that position, anyways. I, I think that's the one that pops to me, Mike. You know that, and maybe you know, really, it's that. I think that was the number one thing I look at for their football team. Yeah, I, I, it really amazes me. When you look at what they gave up to get Von Miller for half, a I season. know. And yes, they won a Super Bowl, but is it really worth it to give away a second and a third round pick, guys you would have under control contractually at reasonable amounts for four years? I, I, that that is a lot to give up. Those are the guys who become the nucleus of your team. But their attitude is, we will go out and acquire veteran players elsewhere who instantly become the nucleus of our team, even if they're only with our team. For a short period of time. And obviously, the departure of Vaughn Miller makes edge rusher it is. priority. But, it is. But, but, you know, by the time they get to 104, who's going to be left? No, I, I know. You know there, there is, you know, some depth of the edge guys. There is. But, yeah, you're right. A difference maker that way. I don't know if you're going to find it, you know. And then they got a guy in, in um, Terrell Lewis a few years ago who's a phenomenal pass rusher from Alabama who hurt his knee and hasn't quite come about yet but I think between the O-line and the edge I think those are the two needs without a doubt and I you know as a whole you know the wide receiver group they could use a little bit maybe something there but I think you look at everything else DBs defensive line you know it's it's all pretty damn good they got they addressed the linebacker issue and situation with Bobby Wagner so uh, even though it's top heavy uh, there's not a lot of desperate needs as far as the starters go. Let's take a quick break. We'll wrap up the NFC West draft needs, the Cardinals and the Seahawks, when PFT Live continues right after this. The Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks trying to keep up with the best two teams currently in the NFC West. Let's focus on the Cardinals' draft needs. They have the 23rd overall pick. They are not used to drafting that low, that's for sure. They got to the playoffs this year, even though they flamed out. Eight total picks. They can't exit the 2022 draft without addressing what, Chris? Well, they got a, a few things. I mean, you know, a lot of people think, like, oh, they want to add another receiver. I, I don't know if I see that. I mean, they did resign A.J. Green. He got DeAndre Hopkins back. They got Rondale Moore to come there you know corner is one where you can certainly look at and go eh there could be something there um but they did they added Jeff Gladney in free agency I think the one I'm going to look at um I think more than anything is defensive tackle that to me running stopping the run game was not one of the the best things for the Arizona Cardinals last year I just kind of look at where they're sitting in the draft right low 20s I think there should be there. There could be some good options there. Uh, that to me, they can maybe go, you know, best D tackle, best edge guy available if possible there at that pick. I think it is twenty one in the first round. 
Chase Edmonds exited for Miami via free agency. They kept James Conner. He got banged up a few times last yeah. year. I would just I would want someone to be in a position to take a quick pass from Kyler Murray. You know, James Conner became a godsend in the passing game last year for the Cardinals. I just don't know. You know, running back, he's been around five, six years now. You're going to get to the point where the tread starts to come off the tire. You need you need more help, especially with Edmonds gone. So in, in one of the mid to late rounds, they need to look for somebody who can come maybe give that offense a little goose in the uh, yeah. running game and or short passing game. Uh, all that's right. crazy. Not at all. Yeah. I don't think that's crazy. Yeah. Seattle Seahawks, they uh, have the ninth overall pick by virtue of the Russell Wilson trade. They can't exit the 2022 draft without addressing what, Chris? I mean, Seattle's got a lot of spots. To me, though, it's, it's, it's boiled down to offense and defensive line. You know, one, I mean, I, defensive tackle, you know, at pick nine, I'll throw them out there right off the bat. I mean, again, one of the Georgia kids, either D tackle, I think the kid Wyatt, uh, I mean, it's a phenomenal, like more of their type of speed and can do everything type of D tackle. I could see them going that way or offensive tackle. I, to me, it's one of those, one of those two. You know, if the kid from Mississippi State uh, crosses on the board at nine, I could see them going there with maybe the other two tackles off the board already. But I think it's one of the two. I think if I'm going to pick one there, um, I'm going to go with the defensive lineman with that staff. I'm going to go defensive tackle. I think that they have so many needs that what they it's need hard. to do is yeah, just fall down. back, fall back, yeah. fall back, get more, get more, get more, amass as many of these tickets as possible and start scratching them off and hoping you can rebuild the team. That's the urgency. You're not – if I'm Pete Carroll – I'm not looking for one difference maker. I'm looking for as many That's guys as I can bring tough. in to compete right. and develop into guys who will be great. And, yes, in 2010, they had two first-round picks. They got Russell Okung and Earl Thomas, and that helped lay the foundation for the team they became. But Cam Chancellor was a late-round pick. Richard Sherman was a late-round pick. This is, I think, a time to get as many picks as possible bring these guys in and hope that this infusion of youth can, they can kind of recapture the magic from a decade ago. That's what they need to do quickly or there's going to be major changes in Seattle. Yeah, definitely. They they don't have a lot of like difference makers at some positions. That's where, you know, the depth in the team, I kind of look at it and go, it's not bad. That's okay. But there's not one D lineman that you look at to go, Oh man, that guy can disrupt and make a lot of plays and ruin the game. You know, Dwayne Brown, of course, is the best old lineman, but he's up there in years, too. So Still unsigned. Still unsigned still as unsigned. well, right. Still unsigned. So, you know, again, that that's an aspect of their team that's got issues there. In a corner, there's nobody there that makes a huge difference either. I mean, they, they have a lot. I understand your thought of them trading down. Uh, I, I do. But I can certainly see them going tackle or de-tackle with that pick number nine uh, in the first round. Let's take a break. We talked about Von Miller earlier. He departed L.A. for Buffalo. He has some first impressions of his new team. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Man, I, I, I love these guys. Um, you know, I knew about the I knew about the team. Um, I knew about the players here, um, but the collection of guys, the the collection of personalities, is, is nothing like I've ever been on. And um, you know, I was with the Rams last year, and uh, it was like the Pro Bowl every day. You got talented guys all around from, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford. I had Odell Beckham right across. This locker room was right across from us. And uh, we had a great locker room there. This locker room is great, man. Um, 
everybody's uh, it, it kind of has like a college vibe here at the facility. Um, facility's great here. Uh, whenever we're here at work, it's great. Von Miller, happy to be in Buffalo, went from Denver to L.A., and now he's with the Bills, one of the high-end contenders. Hey, we said you know, on this whole idea of the Bills going all in, if they had gone all in last year and gotten Von Miller and gotten OBJ, they may have been the ones with their fingerprints on the Lombardi Trophy when it all was said and done. And who knows, maybe they still will add Odo Beckham Jr. Maybe Von Miller recruiting OBJ behind the scenes. But, you know, I don't know how much gas is left in the tank for Von Miller, but his presence, his experience, he's got the two rings. You know, the Bills need something to kind of coalesce and and become better than they've been to bust through that ceiling and get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, no question. Uh, and he's he is, you know, he's still got gas in the tank. He does. We saw it. I mean, there, there's no mistaking it. Once he got comfortable with the Rams last year, I mean, we saw gas in the tank, pedal to the metal, and whooping people's butts on a weekly basis. I mean, that's what we saw. He was hottest pass rusher in football towards the end of the regular season and through the playoffs. So I do think it's still there, and he's going to make a difference for their football team. Yeah, they're t- they're, they have not had that guy for them. And as far as somebody can come off the edge and take a little pressure off the team and get a strip sack fumble and give Josh Allen the short field, something of that nature. They haven't had that. So I think that'll be great. And, you know, just, again, speaks to what we already know, but – it's just a cool culture up there in Buffalo. It really is. You know, I, I just, with McDermott and Brandon Bean and what they've created, and of course we've met some of those players and who they are, you know, you can understand why Von Miller says that. Josh Allen, cool as they get. Stefan Diggs, they don't get any cooler than that. You know, Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, all of them, they're as cool as they get. Poyer, I mean, so they got a lot of good collection of guys that can understand why he's happy there. Josh Allen addressed the playoff loss, and he said there's no going back. It might as well have been 10 years ago. Now, it's not just the fact that they didn't get the ball in overtime. It's the 13 seconds that they failed to properly defend the game-tying field goal that allowed the game to go to overtime in the first place. And Tyler Dunn had an item several weeks back at golong.com which looked into the, the damage that was done to the psyche of the players and the failure of Sean McDermott to really address it and own it. And it reminded me a lot of the fateful pass versus run call made in Super Bowl Forty Nine by Pete Carroll. And I really am concerned what kind of demons need to be exercised mm. and whether it's enough for Josh Allen to say, it's over, it's done, Chris. That's something to keep an eye on if that 13 seconds continues to hover over this team. Yeah, it, it's an interesting thought. It is the type of thing that can hover over a football team. But you know, I think it's, it's the type of group that's always forward. And we've been around McDermott, and it's forward, and Brandon Bean, and Josh Allen, as you see with those quotes. And you add a Von Miller, and it gives a new little lifeline to the team to where hopefully they can forget it and go, hey, it's a new team. It's a new year. The hell with last year. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. All right, we spent time earlier talking about Debo Samuel. Chris, does anything happen before the draft starts one week from tonight? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I think he's such an important player, hasn't hit his prime like we talked about. It's not like the 49ers have got their use out of him like Tyree Kill or Devontae Adams of the Packers and the Chiefs. The Trey Lance situation, you want to put him in the best spot to succeed. 
I think Shanahan's going to buy himself some time to try to soothe this over and, and make it still work in San Francisco. Yes, hopefully they can't soothe it over in San Francisco between <laughs> Debo Samuel and the team. Boom. I think that before draft night, before the draft begins, nothing will happen because I'm going to stick with my suggestion that if you're going to trade him, wait until that first pick that you acquire is on the clock. Don't get jumped. That's it. We're out of time. Chris, enjoy your long weekend. I will. Else Don't will you worry. 5 p.m. Eastern for See 50 p.m. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more.